0: Welcome back to Teresa Tells All. I haven't recorded in so long, but I'm really excited to be recording again because I've had like a really crazy last couple of weeks, but it's always just nice to be able to record an episode. I have a couple of life updates to share with the class, but before I do that, let me just say the topic of this week's episode and it's gonna be a Coraline deep dive. If you've ever seen the movie Coraline, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I tell you it's absolutely terrifying, and it shouldn't be marketed towards kids. But yeah, we're just going to be talking about the plot of the movie, why I think it's so terrifying, and what I think of the movie, basically. Just a Coraline review. In honor of Halloween coming up, wait a second, is today the first day of fall? (gasps) Oh my gosh, today when I'm recording this, I'm recording this on the 21st, it's the first day of fall a um episode didn't go up yesterday sorry about that but as I said, my life has been cr- pretty crazy lately. Let me tell you about it so the first thing I wanted to say is basically just complain about the fact that someone stole my espresso maker out of the lounge on my floor basically I live in like a co-ed dorm basically like we share a lounge the actual dorms are single sex but then, the lounge is like for both, like genders, I guess, and so a lot of people go in the lounge. And I have this espresso maker that I got a little over a year ago, and it was pretty expensive new. I think it was like hundred forty dollars, but I got it off eBay with my brother's help, so I only spent like thirty five dollars on it. And let me tell you, this is literally my prized possession. You probably, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know that already because I mentioned lattes like every five seconds but I decided to keep it in the common room so that I could it could be close to a sink and so I could just make the lattes in the common room and then yeah it would be fine and I took the attachments off the espresso maker so that nobody else would be able to use it which was actually smart of me to do because these idiots stole my espresso maker out of the lounge and I used it on Friday, no I think I used it on Saturday and then the rest of the weekend I didn't use it. And so I'm walking back to my room on Monday night and I see someone cooking in the lounge and then I look to the side to where my espresso maker usually would be sitting and it's not there and I'm like, huh, weird, maybe he just moved it out of the way to cook or something. So. I come back and I'm literally I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, wouldn't that be funny if like someone actually stole it? Cause like I didn't think anyone at the school would actually do that. This is kind of off topic, but whenever I've left my stuff on a table in the library or like left my stuff while I like go get my food or something like that, no one's ever touched it. So I was like, what are the odds that someone steals an espresso maker without the attachments to like actually make the espresso? I go into the lounge and it's not there. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, did someone actually steal this thing? Like someone literally like took it in their arms back to their room without even saying anything. And I was just like, Ugh, whatever, like it was $35. Like I could probably get a new one on eBay or something, but it was just the principle of the thing. because so that was super rude. So I told the RAs and they were like super nice and super helpful. And they sent out this email to the residents of the floor because only our floor, well, I guess like someone else hypothetically could have stolen it, but I thought it was probably just someone on the floor who would like be walking past the lounge every single day. And so they emailed all the residents of the floor and they were like, please just bring it back within 24 hours or we'll have to call the campus police, which I don't know if they would actually have done, but it was a good threat. And then, lo and behold, it gets returned in a bag with this note attached to it. And I'm just going to read the note because I think it's kind of funny. Dear RAs, we apologize for taking the $139 espresso machine. This was an honest mistake, not theft. We had thoroughly observed the espresso machine sitting in the second floor common room, gathering dust and rotting milk in coffee grounds. It was disgusting, so we thought we'd clean it and return it to its place. Sure enough, we all have priorities, and the machine was not cleaned until Monday evening. We saw the email and then realized we had forgotten to return the machine this morning as we had classes. The machine is inside of this bag. Again, this was not theft, and we meant no harm. We just wanted to clean the machine and then see if we could use it because we don't have a Keurig. Thank you for your understanding. Sincerely, Anonymous. I just thought it was weird that they mentioned it was $139 in the opening line which kind of implies to me that they Googled how much it was worth so that they could sell it on eBay, but it's fine. I got it back. Well, I haven't gotten it back yet, but the RAs have it. And this has just taught me a lesson to not trust anyone in my residence hall. No, I'm just kidding. It's taught me a lesson to take better care of my stuff and be more cautious when I'm just leaving expensive things out in the open because that could tempt people. And it has kind of... (laughs) It kind of has hardened me toward the school or the or the people who go to the school because that was not cool i do not believe for one second that they just wanted to clean it for no reason i mean they probably would have tried to like use it or something but i think they also would have sold it whatever anyways that was my big drama of the week and i can't complain too much because my morning has just gone exactly how i wanted to go and as a type a very like planner person, I sometimes like get mad when things like don't go according to my routine, which is probably something I should work on, but today has just gone so perfectly so far. It's like 11 in the morning. I had the plan to get up, take a shower, wash my hair, put my laundry in, go get breakfast, take my laundry out, record a podcast, and everything has happened that way so far, except I didn't take my laundry out in like 20 minutes, so that will disrupt things but today I don't have class until 1240 and so I have some time. I also went to a museum and saw this like Notre Dame exhibit which I was really excited about because I saw the Notre Dame this summer but I wasn't able to go inside because of the fire that like burned down um the whole inside so like they're trying to reconstruct it right now but that was super cool to see what the inside would have looked like and it was historical exhibits so you got to see like all the different phases of it being built and what it would have looked like inside like during the medieval times and during like Napoleon's crowning and stuff like that and that was super sick and then I did this day of service that my school is doing on Sunday and so that was just like a lot of different people from the school get assigned to different service sites and then you just go and like do community service for a few hours and my group got sent to a forest and I did not get out unscathed. I do have about five mosquito bites, but it was a good experience and I had fun. And they also give us these little stickers. It was cool to get merch from it. I also have been journaling a ton lately. And before I, like journaling just kind of felt like a chore because all I would do is just write about what I did that day and like my feelings sometimes, like if I was like upset about something but i recently watched this youtube video her name's ava maloche and she gave like 40 plus journal prompts she has like three videos on her channel but all these like journal prompts and i literally wrote all of them down and then i've been doing a prompt every time i journal now and it's like so much more fun so i'm glad to be in my journaling era now Anywho, those are all my life updates. Now let's get into the topic of today's episode. And we're going to be talking about Coraline, okay? Coraline is a 2009, I think, stop-motion animated dark fantasy horror film. I'm literally getting this from Wikipedia, like verbatim. Written and directed by Henry Selick and based on Neil Gaiman's novella of the same name. And I wanted to do this episode kind of on a whim like I wanted to do a deep dive into a movie and I was thinking what should I do because I saw the bad broadcast did Twilight and I was like I wish i thought of that because well I've never even read Twilight and I've watched like half of the movie but she did a really good job of like talk, dissecting the plot and dissecting like the themes behind it and stuff like that so I wanted to do that and then it's spooky season we're approaching spooky season as we discussed it's the first day of fall And that can only mean one thing. I'm going to be torturing myself by watching horror movies and giving myself bad vibes and nightmares. So today, we're talking about Coraline. I realize that this movie is responsible for, like, a lot of my nightmares as a child. And we'll get into that. But the thing about this movie is it isn't even, like, supposed to be a horror movie, I feel like. It's marketed towards kids. So that just kind of makes it even more like spooky to me because i've heard there's like this phenomenon or i don't know what you would call it but a lot of kids are like fine with this movie but then adults see it and they're like really creeped out by it because it's literally about a kid getting kidnapped and like a kid being in danger so i think that's interesting but let me tell you about the first time i was exposed to this movie i think i was either eight or nine and I was on a plane going somewhere with my family and I happened to not be sitting next to any of my parents And then I think like my older brothers were sitting in front of me or something And so I just decided to watch a random kids movie, you know Innocent little me. I wasn't stupid. I wasn't gonna watch something that I knew would get in trouble for watching And honestly, I was eight years old. So I just wanted to watch an animated movie So i see this movie and it was one of the movies they had for free on this plane and i'm like okay this is probably for kids because it's animated little did i know this movie would scar me and i remember my like during the credits i was like oh my gosh that was so scary and then my brother came over and he was like you watched Coraline, and i was like yeah and then he was like that's so scary why would you watch that and then i'm like bro if this 13 year old thinks it's scary too then it's probably actually terrifying so yeah i remember i was freaked out by it for like multiple years and then i never watched it again well i have watched it since then i think i was probably like 11 when i watched the second time and then i still thought it was like freaky but yeah i still find it unsettling watching it again but i do have like a greater appreciation for the animation style and it is a pretty good movie so my Halloween costume, thinking about being Coraline, because then I could just wear a blue wig. I would just need a yellow jacket, yellow rain boots. I think that would be cute. I think I a Chamberlain once Coraline a couple of years ago, so maybe I could just copy her. But yeah, we're going to be getting into the nitty-gritty of this movie. Storyline, my thoughts on it, and most importantly, why is it so dang creepy for adults to watch? So, the opening of the movie. You see these claw-like hands sewing up a doll. And it looks exactly like Coraline, who you'll meet in a minute, and sewing buttons on her eyes and stuff, and then the hands throw the doll down a portal. And then we meet our main character, Coraline, and she's about eight or nine years old, and she's moving from Pontiac, Michigan to the Pink Palace Apartments in Ashland, Oregon. So the whole movie is just kind of like overcast, like gloomy. I've heard that it rains a lot in Oregon, so I think that's realistic, but it just sets this tone of like a really gloomy atmosphere. So i thought that was kind of cool but the first scene you see two movers and they're moving furniture into a house and there's this cat slinking around and Coraline, our hero of the story she's playing by herself looking for an old well and she's pretending the stick she's holding is a magic wand and the stray black cat is following her so she throws a rock at it for no reason like i don't think she knew it was a cat and then she runs away and it chases after her and she sees it's just a cat and then she's like stop freaking me out you meiji thing so right off the bat Coraline's kind of rude and that makes me think that maybe she deserved everything that came her way so you know karma comes for everyone even the eight-year-olds and then this masked figure on a motorcycle comes out of nowhere and he's like hey that's my cat and it turns out his name is Wybie and he's this boy about Coraline's age and he's sort of just awkward and strange And he says he's the grandson of the late landlady of the pink palace and apparently his mother his grandmother doesn't ever let him go inside there but she's fine with renting it out to random people with children and Coraline's also super mean to him right off the bat and calls him why were you born which i thought was funny but he gets back at her by saying that the stick she's holding is actually poison oak and then drives off and also the spot she was standing on was actually super deep well so she could have died This will be important later. The well, remember that. So that night she's in her house and her mom is typing away on her computer. And this leads me to one of the most disturbing parts of the movie. Her life is actually super depressing. Her parents are these botanists, scientists. I don't know exactly, but basically they moved her out of her hometown and they're in this random house and all they do is work from home trying to write this catalog about plants, but they don't like to garden because they hate dirt. And so every time Coraline tries to suggest doing something, they're like, leave me alone, I'm trying to work. And then at this part, she tries to tell them that she almost fell down a well and then they have no reaction. So yeah, she gets a package from YB and it has this note that says, I found this in my grandma's attic, creepy, right? And lo and behold, it's this doll that looks exactly like Coraline. Coraline's like, huh, weird. And her parents aren't paying attention to her so they don't care either. So why was this not a bigger point of concern that there was this doll that looked exactly like Coraline? I'm not sure. But her mom tells her to go explore the house to try and get her out of her hair. And so she's going around the house listing all the things she sees in the house. And then she sees the doll that looks like her in a blocked off door and her mom opens it for her and it's all bricked off. And then at dinner that night, Coraline's complaining about her dad's cooking, and her mom's like, we've been over this. Your dad cooks, I clean, and you stay out of the way. So I'm starting to think that these people just hate kids, and they shouldn't have had a child. And then she goes to bed, and she puts the doll by the bedside, which will also be important later. Tonight, the mice wake her up, and they lead her downstairs towards the door, which doesn't have any bricks anymore, and she goes through the doorway, and it's this portal, which low-key looks like the McDonald's play place. Like, you know those tubes you crawl through on the play place? That's what this portal looks like. Anyways, she's like, something smells good. And then she sees her mom in the kitchen cooking, which her mother doesn't do in real life. And she has these buttons over her eyes. This lady introduces herself as her other mother. And so they talk for a little bit, and then her mom sends her to the her dad's study where he's working and she's like tell him that dinner's ready. And he's playing this song about Coraline that Loki slaps. So you should go listen to it. And then Coraline just stays there for dinner. She's just like, "Okay, well, they have roast chicken here." And her mom so- says something about like how they know she has poison oak and then Coraline's like, "What did she say?" <laughs> but she's like, "Okay, I got to get home." And then she ends up falling asleep in her bed in the alternate ter- dimension. And then when she wakes up, she's back at her real house, and the doll's still staring at her. And then she tries to tell her parents in their real life, and they're like, don't care. They're like, you must have been dreaming. So she tries to give her mail to her neighbor, because she got the wrong mail. And he has this circus of jumping mice. And he's like, they have a message for you. Don't go through the open door. Which she doesn't. Listen to and then she goes to visit her neighbors called Miss Spink and Miss Forcible and they're these retired actresses who spoiler alert are super weird they have all these stuffed dogs like they're dead dogs that they just stuffed and they keep them on a shelf and that was another part in this movie that creeped me the f out and one lady is going to read her tea leaves and she gets a you are in terrible danger warning once again which Coraline doesn't listen to and so Wybie and the cat are following her around and Coraline accuses him of trying to scare her with the doll he showed her. And she calls the cat a big fat wuss for no reason. Like, leave the poor cat alone. <laughs> and then Wybie's like, I just found the doll. It was, it's probably as old as my grandma. And then he makes her take pictures of him pretending to eat slugs. And then he's like, yeah, I've never been inside the pink palace. And then he tells her that his grandma's sister disappeared when they were kids. So that night, Caroline gets led into the other world by the dancing mice again and her mom's cooking and her dad is gardening and riding around a praying mantis car which fun fact are known for, for eating their offspring or something right aren't they like cannibals and then he has a garden in the shape of her face which Horline thinks is sick and so the other YB is there but he can't talk and the mom is like I fixed him. <laughs> by like sewing his mouth shut so he can't talk and Coraline's like, hmm, I like it. (laughs) So the mice are doing their thing and they're having this little circus and there's this other world version of Babinski that is doing the dancing mice thing. And then they all watch her sleep. The next day, she tries to open the portal, but it's closed. And it turns out that her mom locked it and she tries to tell her parents what happened last night, but once again, they don't care. She goes school supply shopping with her mom and picks out these gloves and her mom is super stressed about her catalog getting published and won't let her get them and she's like put them back and then Coraline goes my other mother would let me get them. Her mom leaves to go food shopping and Coraline finds a key and this time unlocks the door and YB's cat is watching her. So she goes through the portal and her mom has a new outfit for her. YB's cat is still there and he starts talking to her because he can talk in the other world. And he's like, but I'm just a big fat wispus, right? And he's like, Loki, this place is super weird, bro. I wouldn't trust anything you see. So Coraline goes into the actress's house and it's this huge theater with all the dead dogs watching. And here we get to the most disturbing scene of the movie, the naked old ladies dancing on the stage. I do not remember this part of the movie from when I was a kid, which is probably a good thing but why would you put that in a kid's movie? Anyways, the old ladies turn into young acrobats and they're like doing tricks in the air with Coraline and she's like, this is epic. And then her parents tell her she can stay there forever if they sew buttons on her eyes. And she's like, no way, you're not sewing buttons on my eyes. And she goes to bed and they're like, soon you'll see things our way. Coraline wakes up and she's still in the other world and the dad's playing piano and he's acting super weird and he's like I mustn't talk when mother is not here and it's like he is running out of batteries or something and so you get the sense that the mother is like controlling everything people are saying and like all the different elements of the other world and the cat talks to her and he slaughters one of the dancing mice and it turns into a rat and he's like they were sounding the alarms to the other mother and then Coraline is pretty freaked out by then and so she tells her mom she wants to go home that's when this movie gets straight up terrifying and this was nightmare fuel for my eight-year-old self the mother is like heck no you're not going home and she turns into this terrifying witch which is her true form she casts Coraline in this dungeon and she's not alone down there there's all these ghosts of the children that got kidnapped from their families and some of them are super old-timey they're like you must be careful miss and they're talking like early 1900s kids And they tell her that the other mother is actually called Beldum. And she spied on their lives from the dolls that looked like them. And then she saw they all weren't happy with their lives in the real world and lured them into the other world. (laughs) And then she convinced them to stay by sewing buttons on their eyes. And then she stole their eyes and their souls. The ghosts tell Coraline that the only way they can be freed is by finding their eyes, which are scattered throughout the other world. Before I go any further, can we just talk about how depressing that is? That everyone that the Beldum kidnaps is a kid that's depressed that's so sad as an adult watching that i can see like why that would freak out an adult watching that because when you're a kid you like don't understand like i guess depression but then when you're an adult watch this you're like damn that's super sad actually and low-key that would mean that it's just all the parents fault that they didn't give a good life to their kids and it's not even like beldam like she's not even the real villain of this movie it's the parents but let's move on so, Coraline promises the ghost children that she'll find their eyes and she'll free them. And Wybie, our king, rescues her, the other world Wybie, not the real one, the one with his mouth sewn shut, remember? And Beldam sewed his mouth into a smile because I guess she was pissed that he was frowning so much before. Honestly, justice for Wybie. But Coraline escapes back home, and she can't find her parents, and all the groceries that her mom got are on the counter and they're rotten. And YB, the real version, shows up and she's like, ah, it's the YB that talks. <laughs> right after, he just saved her in an alternate dimension. And she figures out that YB's grandmother is one of the lost souls and is stuck down in that dungeon. And when she tries to tell him what happened, he doesn't listen. So she goes to visit the old ladies and they give her this little triangle that helps define lost things, which is nev- it's never really explained like where this thing came from. They just kind of have it and they give it to her. And then she goes to bed crying, and they have, she has these stuffed versions of her parents in her bed, and she's like, come home, come home. It's so sad, bro. It's so sad. The next morning, the cat wakes her up, and it shows her her parents trapped in a snow globe. And they write, help us in the fog, which is absolutely terrifying. And then Coraline realizes that they're never coming back on their own and then she realizes she has to go save her parents and the cat follows her through the portal and he's like this is a trap but try and trick Beldam into making it a game because she's got a thing for games so she gets to the other world and Beldam is still trying to be her other mother so Coraline challenges her to a game she's like if I can find the eyes of the ghost children and my parents then I get to go free but if I can't find them then she sells her soul to Beldam And Beldam's like, okay, sure. And she gives her this riddle. In each of the three wonders I've made just for you, a ghost eyes hid in plain sight. So first, Coraline goes to the garden with her face, and she looks through the triangle that the old ladies gave her, and she finds the ghost eyes. And then she goes to the actress's house to find the second eyeball, and all of the dead dogs have turned into bats, and she literally has to pry it out of the hands of the ghost-like actresses. And then she goes to the place where Babinski had the dancing mouse circus, and he tells her that even if she wins the game, she still has to go home and be miserable in her real life. But she finds the eye. And as she does all of this, the other world is disintegrating. And then she gets thrown out of the circus, but the cat gets the eye for her. Beldum is now reverted to her most terrifying self. She just looks like this arachnid-like form. And then Coraline remembers that Beldum has no intention of letting her go free, so she tricks her into opening up the door to the real world by claiming that her parents are behind it so she throws the cat a beldam she rescues her parents who are trapped in a snow globe and then Coraline narrowly escapes through the door with the beldam in pursuit and chops off the beldam's right hand in the process now she's finally back at home reunited with her parents who have forgotten about their capture and they immediately slip right back into Oh Coraline are you feeling okay like you must have dreamed it whatever but now they're actually treating her better because their stupid book got published like that's all they needed was to treat their daughter with kindness and like not make her depressed enough to want to go to another dimension anyways this isn't over guys that night the ghosts appear in Coraline's dream and they thank her for freeing them but they warn her that Beldam is still after the key to unlock the door because there's only one key for both dimensions so, Coraline decides to drop the key down an old well, the one from the beginning that she almost fell into, but the beldam's severed hand attacks her, and then YB saves the day once again, and he destroys the hand by dropping a large rock on it. The two of them toss the key and the hands remnant into the well and seal it. The movie ends with Coraline and her parents hosting a party for their neighbors, and they're finally planting a garden and it's sunny out. Basically, after this whole traumatic experience, Things seem to be looking up for Coraline, and she learns to appreciate her life in the real world. Now that I've dissected the plot of Coraline, I wanted to go over a couple of fan theories I saw on the internet because I actually thought they were super interesting, like this first one blew my mind. Here we go. Coraline is the story of a little girl who can't accept the death of her parents. Near the beginning of the film, Coraline's mother makes a comment about their plans having changed since the accident, and points to her neck brace. Throughout the film, the parents have no interaction with anyone but their daughter. Coraline even resorts to building her mother and father out of pillows to sleep between them. She makes a comment to the cat about them never coming back on their own when she sees them in the snow globe of the Detroit Zoo, because that's where she had her last day out with them. She actually lives with her two neighbors who are both senile, allowing her to free roam to do what she pleases. The groceries left on the counter have rotted because they've been there for months. Dun, dun, dun. This actually makes a lot of sense to me. The part with the neck brace I didn't mention in the beginning, but basically, like, I guess that's why they moved to her house. And so her mother was in an accident. The parents never interact with the neighbors or talk to them. And she sleeps with her mother and father, like, out of pillows, like when they get kidnapped. So, that's really creepy. I feel like... Okay, so, I feel like if that was actually the point of the movie, though, like, wouldn't they have, like, said it at the end? Like, in The Sixth Sense, there's a plot twist. I'm not going to spoil it. You've probably seen it. There's a plot twist, but, like, it's obvious by the end of the movie, like, what the plot twist was. And so, this would be cool, but I feel like you would have found out that her parents were dead at the end of the movie, you know? But, like the end of the movie just seems so like everything is right in the world so yeah next fan theory Coraline isn't home the average person would assume Coraline is safe and sound at home after dropping the key down the well at the end of the movie however I believe that this is the beginning of an even bigger nightmare YB states that the well is so deep that if you fell down it you would see a sky full of stars in the middle of the day now as a child I never knew what that meant I just went with it However, thinking about it, the other world is always nighttime, so I believe Coraline threw the key right back to her other mother." That actually like makes me think that maybe there will be a sequel to Coraline, because she does throw the severed hand and the key down the well, and they never really say like where the well goes. It's like mentioned at the beginning of the movie that it's super deep, but yeah, I don't know. It feels like it could be another portal. I also believe Coraline's mother or father wanted to get rid of her her father told her to count all the doors leading Coraline to find the small door and when she pestered her mom about the door her mother knew exactly what key to grab so her mom gave it to Coraline too in hopes that that the rumors about the pink palace are true that's so sad (laughs) or this theory contradicts the last however i'm going to say it anyway YB's grandmother knew something was off about the house And after the other mother's growing hunger the other mother went after wybie so wybie's grandmother allowed another child to move in so that the other mother would leave her grandson alone leaving Coraline right in the other mother's grasp this one actually also makes sense to me because why did wybie's grandmother like rent out the house to a family with kids if she knew that like her sister got kidnapped when they were kids i think that this movie is cool because you can theorize it too overall i think this movie is super well done and it's the perfect halloween spooky season movie it's right like the same vibes as james and the giant peach nightmare before christmas The corpse bride is that a movie whatever anyways it's all like stop motion animation and i feel like sometimes the stop motion animation makes it even more of like the uncanny valley effect because they don't look like real people but are supposed to. So that kind of makes it even creepier. But I hope you guys enjoyed this Coraline themed episode and I think you should definitely go watch this movie if you haven't. If you're over the age of 10 or you might be scarred for life just like me. I'm glad I watched this again though when I was older because now I have a better appreciation for the animation and it's really cool actually. It's a really creative plot for a movie. If you ignore how creepy it is so yeah happy spooky season everybody and have a good rest of your week bye